Isaiah 53 is our text. If we prepare to come to the Lord's table, we're talking today about the fact that Christ is the one who bore the unbearable for us. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And it's for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned to be with wicked men, yet with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death, it was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. The grass withers, but we have the privilege of hearing the word of God that never will. Father, this is your word, always lead us to Jesus. For your glory and for his sake, we thank you in his name. Amen. We've heard the phrase and used it ourselves probably at times where we say, in a certain situation, you say, well, the worst is over now. It might be a tornadic system of storms coming through the state, and often it seems like it's in the, the nighttime when they come, more often than not. And we hear the siren go off perhaps when we go to our TVs or down in the basement and we listen to the weatherman and we watch the radar and it's jumping all over the place. But eventually, thankfully, it reaches the point where all the colored stuff on the radar screen is to the right, to the east, for poor Alabama. And uh, our weatherman says, well, we can breathe easier now. The worst is over. It's, it's gone on beyond us. Or maybe it's in your home. You've got a sick child and uh, they're uh, feverish. They've got the chills. They're pale. They're hurting. All kind of moaning and they're in the bed and you're with them through the night and a morning you look over and with a great sigh of relief you realize the color has come back to their face their, the fever is broken and you realize the worst is over well what we have in the Lord's Supper is a visual reminder of that very truth uh, that the worst truly is over um, doesn't mean life is a picnic we all know better than that Christian and non-Christian like we suffer and we bleed and hurt like anyone else we know better but what it te- does tell us is this, that life for God's children, and I'm talking about one who's trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your, as your Savior. Life for God's children, no matter the circumstances, and they can be horrific, 
But life for God's children, no matter the circumstances, is bearable. Not easy, but it's bearable. And the only reason it's bearable is because God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has already borne the worst for us. So we can suck it up and keep going. We can tough it out and make it to the end, no matter how difficult that might be. Because Christ has borne the worst. It's, it's past us. He bore for us what we could never stand to bear ourselves. But if you die without Christ, it's exactly what a person will bear for all eternity. Uh, about six years ago, because it was six years this November or so, uh, some of our family went up to New York City. And uh, one night, Denise and Bo and Linda and I had the privilege of going to Carnegie Hall and hearing a presentation of Messiah. It was really the highlight of our part of that trip, I think. And we had some fun time. We had some great restaurants. Didn't see any baseball. It was wintertime. But we did get to uh, go to Broadway, and I saw, uh, we saw Dolly Parton. Not Dolly Parton. <laughs> What's her name? Tell me, tell me. Beth, Beth Midler. Beth Midler. Well, they're both women, so I'm close. Yeah, what I say? Yeah. It is Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly, Dolly Parton. Would you start the overture again? We're going <laughs> to take two. We saw a play at Broadway. There was a good lady in it that knew how to act. Um, and that was, but the highlight was still sitting in Carnegie Hall. That was kind of neat. Country boy going to Carnegie Hall. But to hear Messiah presented. Oh, what a beautiful thing. Uh, it, to me, it, it's, without a doubt, it forever stands as the greatest composition in the field of sacred music. Or at least right at the very top. Uh, in terms of its music and the message, of course, which is scripture, uh, it is to what other church music might be. I would compare it to what a nine-course gourmet dinner. I'm being a little facetious here. It's, it's an overstatement. But that gourmet dinner would be to a bowl of jello. And it's not that there's not a lot of good Christian music out there that glorifies God. There is, and thank God for it. But Messiah seems to stand in a class by itself. You know the story, you've heard it before probably, that Handel, it was in 1741, was like closed up in a room for 21, 22, 23 days writing it, wrote all day long, day and night, uh, barely took time to sleep or eat. It's told that when his servant came in uh, at one point, uh, he had just done or working on the Hallelujah Chorus, he had tears in his eyes and he looked up and said, uh, I th- did think that I did see heaven open before me and the great God himself sitting on his throne with his company of angels. It was clearly, what I'm trying to say, it's a a work that God blessed greatly and uh, speaks so gloriously of Jesus Christ, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his triumphal uh, reign over all earth at the end of time. It opens, of course, with the overture that you heard, the Sandy and Denise play, and I thank you all for doing that. Uh, It's all instrumental, and then you get to part one, which deals, of course, Uh, with the birth of Christ, but the opening words come from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. And the rest of part one is about Christ's advent. Uh, You have that beautiful, uh, is it oratorio, what you call it? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You know how it goes, I can't sing it. I know, Beth Midler could sing it. I don't know if she would, but she could. Uh, For unto us a child is born, unto us a... I shouldn't have said that. Unto us a son is given. Uh, But it's not until we get to part two that we have 
a basis or reason for the comfort that's spoken of in part one. A reason why our sins are forgiven and our warfare has been accomplished. You get to chorus number 22 and it identifies this son who has been born, this uh, child who's been given to us. It identifies him this way. It says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And in chorus 24, it proceeds to tell us how this Lamb of God took away the sin of the world. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It's the very words of our text here in Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 6, it says, but the Lord caused on him. We're the sheep that went astray, but he caused our sin, our iniquity, very thing Ben was talking about up here. Our sin to fall upon him who was innocent uh, and to bear it for us. That's our reason for peace and comfort in a world where we often lack both. It's because of Christ and what he's born for us. If he's your Savior, if you're trusting in him, then he has already born for you and me uh, our sin and guilt. As Ben was talking about, we did the, we did the crime and yet he took the credit for it. He took our place and was charged with our sin. Oh. We've gone astray. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're like sheep who've strayed. Sin's curse and sin's penalty hangs over us, and yet in grace Christ bore it for us. The very thing we use in our call to worship from 1 Peter tells us that again. It's that he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross. That he, we might die to sin and live to righteousness. In seminary, the first time I was, had to preach a trial sermon, the text I was assigned was Galatians 3.13. I always think of that when I see that text. But Paul's there making that statement that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse being the soul that sins must die and die forever. Not just die and go be buried in a grave, but die for eternity. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. So Christ has borne the unbearable. He bore our sin and guilt. He took our, our crime upon himself. And because of that, he bore God's holy righteous and righteous judgment, which our sins deserve and which they bring in demand. So that he became sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Verse 9, it says, It pleased the Lord to crush him. Not that God took pleasure in seeing his son die, but it pleased him because God, his son was satisfying, willingly satisfying our debt to satisfy God's justice and to uh, right the wrongs that we had committed. So he bore our sin and guilt. He bore the judgment that that sin deserved. And he suffered the rejection by the Father that should have been our rejection. We go through life and it's not always easy, but he's promised that we can cast our cares upon him and he cares for us. He will help us bear up the ills of life. And yet he suffers the worst of all something we can't even imagine, and he suffered it all alone, outside the camp, forsaken by the Father. All of which is say that only because of Jesus Christ and that he has borne the unbearable, this thing driving me crazy here, he has borne the unbearable, it's because of that that we can face life and we can face death with perfect peace. And we're facing life and death all the time, whether we even are conscious of it at times or not. Uh, I mean, from the time we are born, we didn't know about death till we got a little bit older, but as soon as we get older, we know what we're doing right now, every day, every second, every breath we take, we're facing life, and we never know what's coming. Like a batter at the plate, we don't know, we can try to guess what the pitcher's going to throw, but we don't know till he throws it. 
that we're facing life and we know that death is coming, whether it's today, tomorrow, or years from now, it's coming. It's supposed to Christ who bore the unbearable, that we can face death and life with that perfect peace. And again, that's not to say life's easy. The hard things of life are hard. And they're meant to be. The death of a loved one, a spouse, a child, well, some of y'all have already experienced that. And only those who've gone there know the depth and pain of it. The heartbreak of an illness, seeing a loved one die of a terminal illness and having to be with them or be the person yourself going through, those are not easy things. Or the loneliness and pain that comes from a, a broken family and, and the problems going on, like I say, the hard things of life may seem unbearable, but not a single one of them, as bad as they may seem, not a single one of them can do what our sin can do. And that is separate us from God, who is the, our only hope. If he were to lace the hard things of life on us by his grace, even though it may not seem like it at the time, we're going to make it through. We'll survive because he's promised he's going to get us safely home. But if he were to lay this one sin, and Ben, I think he even mentioned that one sin, one sin, you wouldn't have to look far to find my sins or yours either, but if he laid one sin on us and said, now you're going to have to take the punishment that sin deserves, we could not stand it for a moment. And yet I say it again, if you're here today and do not have Jesus Christ and everyone who doesn't have Christ as their Lord and Savior, what you're facing right now is the unbearable. Listen to that passage in the book of Revelation where it says, I looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. People won't be talking about global warming then. Uh, Sackcloth was made as... sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great, a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said, Oh God, have mercy on us. No, they don't. They should have. But what they said is, to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of the Lamb who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Who can bear the unbearable, you see? They're calling on the rocks to hide them. And it's only the blood of Christ that can hide our sins. And they're saying, hide us from the face of him and from the Lamb. That uh, says from the presence of him, literally, that is the word face. In a moment when I do the benediction, if that's the one I use, and I usually do, I'll say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Just like a mama or daddy looks upon their child with love, and the child knows, oh, there's somebody who loves me and accepts me. But God's face is going to be against those who don't trust in Jesus Christ. So let me say it again. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ today, you need to be because you, without him, are facing the unbearable, something far worse than anything that will ever happen to you in this lifetime until you get to that point. But you need not bear it if you look to the one who bore it for you. So let me read those verses again from Isaiah before we come to the table. Surely our griefs, my grief, your grief if you're his child, our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. We're the sheep who've gone astray, he said, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So no matter how difficult life may seem, if we truly are in Jesus Christ, we should, should honestly be able to say without hesitation with old Job, 
Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Don't know his ways, and they're not always fun, but I know him who gave me his son. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Because the one who bore our sins on the cross is the one who promises to bear us up in all of life. As Romans 8 says, He who gave, spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, he'll give us all that we need. And so if your heart's resting in Jesus Christ, let's come to his table and may those words that were set to music by the great handle resound in our hearts. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. And as we partake of these sacred elements, let us remember the basis of the only reason for that comfort. We can have comfort and peace because Christ bore in our place. He bore the unbearable, that which we couldn't stand to bear. He bore the unbearable, and because he did, the worst is over, and the best truly is to come. Father, we love you and thank you for him who loved us and gave himself for us. We have no claim to his love on any part of our own, no merit of our own can make us worthy of it. We thank you that you love us because you love us. And Jesus died to save us. It's his blood that makes us whiter than snow. He bore the unbearable. that We might bear your presence and your peace and your eternal heaven. Prepare our hearts now to come and thank and love him at his table. We ask in his precious name. Amen.